got a lot to talk about, church. We better get into this. Um, our God is good, isn't He? He is sovereign, and He loves you. Uh, and I love being with the community of faith. I hope you love being here. And I hope that desire grows in you as a disciple of Jesus Christ as we begin. Uh, raise your hand if you know who Charles Spurgeon is. Uh, awesome, yes. Um, I, I plan on doing a lesson in the future going through ministers and Christians throughout history. And Charles Spurgeon was a powerful English preacher who lived in and ministered in the 1800s. He pastored a metro. Uh, Metropolitan Tabernacle in London for 38 years. While he was there, he founded a college, uh, something they called the Alms House to help the poor. Uh, he started an orphanage and uh, taught his uh, congregation to get into the areas of London where the poor were and help them. Uh, he authored many sermons, books, uh, commentaries, prayer books, devotionals, magazines, poetry, hymns, all kinds of things. At one point, somebody wrote about Spurgeon and said, sell everything you have and buy Spurgeon. Uh, that's how awesome he was during the time. And uh, we today, we call him the Prince of Preachers. Uh, his messages had a profound effect on people. His exposition was done in such a way it penetrated the hearts of people and still convicts souls today. Now, he was really good at taking big and grand theological concepts and making them simple for us. And he said this, I love this, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Now, isn't that awesome to think about? Because you never thought about the snail, did you? You thought about the third monkey fighting his way to get onto the ark. You think about things like that, the animals trying to get there. But by perseverance, by God's calling on a creature, it made its way to the ark, and we have snails today. I love that. It is profound. Uh, it's deeper than we think it is, because if a snail can have perseverance, God's Christian can have perseverance. And that we can live that out as His people. It's a, this is a meaningful reminder to all God's people that obeying the call of God on your life can be done. We can make it to the ark. We can persevere. We can make it into glory to be with Christ. And the Apostle Paul talks about this. He calls it, at a point here in Philippians, pressing on. That I persevere. I overcome. I, I press on. So let's look at a few verses here. Mary has read the bulk of the Scripture. Philippians chapter 3. Uh, you will see that Paul repeats pressing on twice. But verses 12 through... Actually, I just have 12 through 14 here. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to lie what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize, for the upward calling that is in Christ Jesus. Church, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you. Lord, we thank you that we know that this worship, the songs of praise, our hearts bent before you, is a sweet savor to you. 
We thank you that we can gather as your disciples today. Lord, I do pray if someone is seeking you today that they find you. And Lord, those who are doubting, that they they find your solid foundation of truth. Lord, those who've come for forgiveness, Lord, that you just give it out. Lord, those who want more of you, uh, that we can have more of your grace. And Lord, that we learn today as your disciples that we are not those who go back. We're not those who, who drift away. We are those who press on, who strain forward uh, to have the prize that is in you, um, not just to be saved, <laughs> but to win all that you have to offer us. And pray that you bless your words as they go forward today, that you do convict hearts that we are renewed and refreshed to those who need the refreshing of the Spirit today. Uh, Lord, that you breathe new life into your people. In Jesus' name, amen. And church, let's get into this. We've learned a lot. Uh, we, you know, I talked about living dangerously for God. That doesn't mean go out and do stupid, dangerous things. It just means get out of your comfort zone. And we really talked about how uh, if we don't get out of the comfort zone, how can God really act on your behalf? You'll never be able to trust him and depend on him until you get out of your comfort zone and put yourself in a place where you really have to call out and cry to God. We also talked about doing what is possible, that God has given us things to do. He calls us to, do, to answer and say yes to basically simple things. And he always acts and does the impossible. And last week we spent some time talking about the fact that love does. Love is an action word. It is not that I love you and I never demonstrate my love. It is that God loved us. He gave us His Son. He, he has sent Christ to die for us. It is grace is love and action. That the disciples are called to act out what we believe as Christians. That we spend time in prayer, study, a part of the church, giving, helping, serving, uh, moving in the community to help those in need. And today we need to deal with the spirit of perseverance, the spirit to overcome, to press on, because we want to win the prize. I love winning prizes. You know, it's not like it happens every day. Years ago, we had, we were, one of our girls was in a charter school, and they had a play set, and they were getting rid of that, and they were going to buy this brand new huge thing, and they raffled it off. And the raffle tickets were like a dollar. I bought a couple. And on the day of the raffle, I was like, you know what? I can increase my odds if I buy a couple more raffle tickets. So the day of, I bought a couple more. And when they started calling names, they called our name. And I was like, woo! You know, I hadn't won anything in a while. I was like, I won the prize! You know, I was so excited. People were like, what is going on with this guy? Play set for the kids! Yes! Um, I love to win. Uh, We should love to win as well. And that should press us on to win the high calling that is in Christ. Christ has called us. He has saved us. But church, there is a prize to be won. Now, salvation is not the prize. Salvation is the gift. The prize is that we are striving because we want to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And as I said last week, I don't want to go to glory and have nothing to show for I don't want to be someone that just said, I believe at a young age, and I think that I just make it in by the skin of my teeth, but that there's something to show forth, that I have run the race, that I have fought a good fight, that we should all want to do these things, that we can win the prize. Paul talks about this. He says, I press 
on. Why did he press on? Because he wanted to win the prize. And we should want to win the prize too. Now church, the pressure is on. And for me, as I look out at the world and and what the Spirit is saying to the church, we are in the last quarter of the game. And and there used to be something, I don't know if you've ever played basketball, we played basketball, Our, our dad had us involved in all kinds of sports. If we were good or not, he wanted us pressing on in the sports. And in basketball, they have something called full court pressure. It is when everybody is being guarded, it is when you go on defense. But for the Christian, it's not that we're going on defense, we are going on the offense. That we are sharing the gospel, that we are pressing on, that we are engaged in the ministry, that we're doing what Jesus has called us to do because we want to win the prize. And Jesus wants you to win. He is calling you, He is moving in your life, He is actually in this to win it with you. The first thing we want to look at is, Paul says, I press on. Again in verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Because I am saved. Because I am a child of God. I press on. Now this press on word here is from dioko, Greek word. It's the short form of the word deacon. If you've ever seen deacon and, and understand a servant to the church as a deacon. It means to follow after and actually to suffer persecution. That you're willing uh, to be hurt. You're willing to suffer like someone training Um, And and the same thing for perseverance, that we are willing to suffer long, to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing, to run after. You've heard people talk about, I am chasing Jesus, that I am pressing on. Um, It's figuratively one who is running a race swiftly. Why? Just to jog? No, to win, to reach the goal, and to win the prize. And this is one of Paul's letters um, from Rome. He was in the prison at this time. It's fascinating to think about how he's writing and he's doing this powerful ministry. Uh, what's interesting is Paul was arrested his first time in Philippi. He's arrested there, and a church starts after he's arrested. He's writing back. Now this church is established and has grown. He's writing to them, and, and Paul is writing from prison. Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and the book here, Philippians, was written while Paul is in prison. He, done, he did some of his best work while being persecuted. And people could look at his life and say, he is legitimate. He is willing to give up his life for the cause of Christ, but he's writing this letter to the church to let them know that he presses on. Uh, he is running to win the prize. And that's what we are called to do as Christians, that we are running this race of faith. Now, Paul was a Pharisee, but he was also a Roman citizen, which means he traveled in and out of the Roman colonies. Guess what was in the Roman colonies? The games. They had Colosseums in Ephesus alone. They had a Colosseum there that could fit 100,000 people. So you imagine Paul coming into these cities, and he's grown up in this culture. He has Roman citizenship. And either he watched the games, or he watched the people training for the games. 
But one way or another, he knows the language. He understands what's taking place. So he's seen them from afar, or he has walked in to see, or he has watched the people training. And he uses this language several times in the New Testament where he uses this kind of a competing language. He uses the phrase, fight the good fight of faith. Maybe looking at gladiators battling it out in the arena. He would say, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Watching men wrestle and grapple, he's, he's showing the seriousness of this battle that we are in with, in this spiritual battle. He's watched these men and gladiators and, and these Olympic games, he's watched them wrestle. He talks about running the race of faith. And here it is. What does he call it? He calls it straining forward. Verse 13. Look at this with me. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. I love that. Paul is always talking about what was the old is gone, the new has come. I am forgetting what was behind. And I am straining forward to what lies ahead. Uh, Paul is not going to get stuck. Paul is not going back regardless of the pressures around him. He strains forward. This literally means to stretch forward to what lies ahead. So you can imagine again watching these people battling out, uh, wrestling, physical sports, all these things that someone is stretching forward. But stretching so much forward, they want to get to the finish line before the others. They want to break the tape. They want to be the winners. He's stre- you watch a runner. He's trying to stretch forward as far as he can to get through so he can get the prize. It is a driving force. It is this urgency within that these things matter to us. These are our beliefs. We value our beliefs. It affects our behavior. There needs to be this drive in every Christian. This urgency to stretch forward. In fact, there should be a drive in every home. Never once have we woken up and one of my kids said, Dad, I want to go hiking today. Not once. So I have to say, girls, get up. We're going to go hiking today. We're going to go on an adventure. There has to be a pressing on, a push, a straining forward. Someone that there's a driving force. And here it is, church. There's a stubbornness in our modern church in the 2020s. There is a resistance in our hearts that Christ is calling us. There's a, there's, the pressure is on and we need to move forward, uh, but we are stubborn. Uh, we are saying no to the teachings of Jesus. We want salvation. We want the title Christian. But we resist the lifestyle and the calling that is intense here. It is an intense calling. We have to actively fight against that spirit of resistance against God and stubbornness. There's a spirit to quit. I had it in my life. Uh, I've shared this several years ago that I... Um, my dad tried to help me learn to ride a bike, and I would just quit. I'm done, Dad. I went inside. You know, you've had teens. They do that. Uh, my, I was like, Dad, I want to play basketball. And he took time to show us how to play basketball, and I would just walk away. I'd give up and quit. And I remember one, one day he was in the backyard teaching us. Now, my dad, when, when he was involved in sports, my dad was serious. Like, my dad called out the ref. You know that dad that says, come on, ref. <laughs> that was my dad. <laughs> Because he was training us, you know. He's like, my dad, when I played football, maybe put on shoulder pads. 
and ram a tree with my shoulders to get used to hitting. Now, it might be why my back hurts today. I don't know. Um, but he would make these devices to help us improve. And one day he was helping us play basketball, and I just, when he wasn't looking, I slipped away. And where our property was situated, the basketball was toward the end of the backyard, and I walked down the yard back to the house, and I heard this rushing sound behind me. And I was like, the judgment of God is coming upon me. Whoosh! My dad snatched me up, and he whooped me. And he explained to me why he whooped me. He said, Derek, you're developing a spirit to quit. He said, you need to break that. And I have, I have to resist it today. And if that spirit is in me, I think it's in a lot of people that I've struggled through this, I've tried, I'm not getting exactly what I want, and, and I am, I'm thinking about quitting and bowing out, but we have to resist that, that call or that desire in our heart. We have to fight against it. We have to press on and strain, stretch, get out of our comfort zone, get uncomfortable that we can win the prize. You know, Paul's talking about keeping his body in check so he doesn't lose the prize. He breaks this down in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I think we have the verse for you today. He says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? See, we're running to win. So run that you can obtain the prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They, they're disciplining their body so they can win the prize. They do it to receive a perish, perishable wreath, but we will get an imperishable crown. And so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating against the air. I'm not shadow boxing. I'm fighting in such a way that I am connecting. I'm fighting off the desire to quit. I'm pushing forward. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. At least after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul is saying, I've not attained perfection. Now, we have made this term, we've mistranslated perfection. John Wesley used this term, and he actually makes a defense. The church has misused it, saying that you can obtain sinless perfection in this life. John Wesley never taught that. But he said you can live perfectly as God has called you, away from sin, but he never said that you would have a, a sinless life. It is a calling to mature that I was one way before, and I am growing. I'm being sanctified. I'm being made holy, that I am moving away from sin, that Christ is cleansing my heart of the sins. And there's always something new that He is working on us with, that we have this maturity, that we are a work, a perfect work in progress. So we are perfect in Christ, and we are being made perfect in Christ. It's kind of like a, a tomato. You guys like growing tomatoes. We had somebody this weekend give us some, the sweetest tomato. It tastes like it was from the south. You know, it's really good. And now it's like a tomato. When you get it, it's green. When it's growing, it's green. It's perfect. But it's not necessarily ready to eat. It's not at its greatest state. Now, I love tomatoes. I love a, a, a tomato sandwich. Raise your hand if you know what that is. Great. It's a southern delicacy. Now, you don't put a green meta. We call them meta sandwiches. We don't even say tomato. That's kind of long. Meta. Meta sandwich. You don't put a green tomato on a tomato sandwich. Slap some good, you know, uh, whipped, uh, mayonnaise, whatever you use on there, some salt and pepper. Mmm, it's like, it's delicious. 
When it's green, it is perfect, but it's not complete. It still has some maturing to do to get to be a red tomato, to be ready for the most part in how we... Now, if it's green tomato in the South, they'll fry that up and call it fried green, green tomato. Still a delicious thing, still perfect, but we want a red tomato. Uh, another example, a baby. A baby when they are born, maybe at 18 months old. They're perfect. They're so perfect, you want to pinch their little cheeks. You're like, eh, cooing. You know, they do the cooing. They're trying to walk. They're great. Now, if at 18 years old, they're still cooing and saying, goo, goo, and dad, 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 like that, something's not right. The point is, is that they're perfect, but they are becoming perfect. And that's how we're to be as Christians. We're not to still be a baby. We're to grow up. We are to mature. We are to be sanctified and grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, most people, this is something I've wrestled with in, in ministry, uh, and I've done my best to kind of walk you guys through my calling and how God has worked in my life, because most people don't understand what the calling of a pastor is or even their job. When I came here, we, we had an entire service. The man, we have a manual. The Church of Nazarene has a manual that describes the pastor's role, page after page, everything the pastor is supposed to do. I try to hide that from everybody so they don't try to say, hey, you missed out on something. But when I came here, somebody had a list uh, of things they wanted me to do and sign off, like a contract. And I read that list, and I was like, I'm not doing last rites. You know, it's all kinds of weird things. And I took the paper and handed it back to him and said, I'm not signing that. That's not my role as a pastor. The Bible describes my role, and our denomination describes my role. This is it. It is a high calling. It is a challenging one. The pastor's role is to lead the people of God into the mission of God. The church needs a pastor. The church needs the deacons. It needs the servants. It needs all of those who are serving to move the mission forward. If there's not a pressing, the church becomes stagnant. And eventually a church closes its doors and it dies if we're not moving forward into the mission. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 describes what the pastor is supposed to do, the calling of the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. It is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So my work is to help others work so we do the mission together. Now, true discipleship disrupts uh, tradition. It disrupts patterns and comfort zones. It pushes forward because a disciple is a follower. In fact, apostle means sent one. It doesn't mean stay one. It doesn't mean go back. It means to press on to go forward. Now, I've talked to you guys a lot about this first church we were involved in. God did a mighty work in our lives. I was sanctified wholly in a Calvinistic church. It was a great experience. And God, called, God had called me at a young age, but I answered the call of ministry in an independent church. And in 2008... We returned to Raleigh, and, uh, and I started serving at Raleigh First Church of the Nazarene. This is Dr. Brian Powell here. He's come. If you don't know who he is, he's done two uh, revivals here. Great pastor, great DS and minister. Uh, he brought me on staff in 2008 to serve at Raleigh First Church of the Nazarene. Now, Pastor Brian and I, we have a really good uh, relationship. We've butt heads over the years. Uh, we've, we've gone through, we've seen many deaths. Uh, we have... 
uh, walked through many challenges, division in the church. There's things that we've had to confront together. There was a pastor that wanted to go off and start his own thing and take people with him. We had to confront those things. Uh, it seemed like we had two divorces every year. Uh, it was sad things we had to deal with, all kinds of people uh, doing things. But making disciples, you know, this calling to fulfill the mission, it was great. Now, in the beginning, I was bivo. I would call it tribo and quadvo. And some of these guys that are serving in bivo know what I mean. There's a lot more involved. It's not just that I have two jobs. There's so many things taking place. But he gave me an opportunity to be on staff, and I jumped. I was like, yes, I want to do this. And later, he brought me on as a full-time staff member. He gave me an office as a full-time staff member, and I hated my office. Because in an office, people want to have meetings. They want to meet with the pastor in the office. And I like to be out doing ministry. When I was working with college students first, I had a, there was a cafe that we met in. I liked being in there. And I didn't like having an office because Brian wanted to meet with me in the office every week because there was some, and some kind of an issue. Um, Brian is the kind of person that pressed, and he pressed your buttons. He's the kind of pastor that would press your buttons. He put his thumb in your back to drive you forward. He would come into my office and wanted to discuss issues every week. And this is, he laughs about this. We laugh about this now. He came in with a guitar in hand. He always played this tone, this little, he'd come in, sit on my couch in my office, and say, Derek, we need to talk. And it's like he was trying to break the ice. You know, it's a pretty good little, little music going on here. Derek, uh, we have some things we have to talk about. This issue, someone complained, someone left the church. We need to go talk to those people. Um, and, and sometimes whatever stuff he needed me to do. And through all of that, uh, it was challenging, but I was loyal to the ministry. Now, he used to say this, I give you a lot of rope. You can either run wild with it and do good, or you can hang yourself with it. It's something you would put on a Hallmark card, right? The, you can run wild and do good, or you can hang yourself with it. He not only, now look, he has ADD. So he's random looking around, his busyness, all, he's moving fast. All He also had OCD. Uh, and so he would, like, anyway, he's walking around, he'd see, like, a picture out of balance. He's like, your pictures are off in your office. Do you want? He would come in and say, do you want me to put up your pictures for you? And actually, when he came here, he wanted to fix my pictures. You know, I have a better idea. I can do a better kind of a thing and look better. And so he had this compulsive, this obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and to top it all off with everything, he became my professor. So as I was pursuing the course of ministry over uh, 10 years ago, uh, he was my, pro- my prof and would have to read my pe- papers and tell me to get my assignments in. Uh, Jay and Mike go to NBC to do their course of study. And so at the end, I had a few classes, and Dr. Brian Powell was the professor. So on top of all the other stuff, it was you need to get your work in, you know, and press and press and press. Then he became a district superintendent, a highly sought-after speaker and leader. And he said, we were in Arkansas at the time, he said, Derek... We need you to come and be on the district. We need you, your family to come and support. So we went. Uh, we stretched. We pressed. Uh, we did this work. Uh, and he would send out these motivational texts every Sunday morning to all the pastors on the district. And it would say, uh, this is what's going on today. Uh, I believe in you. I'm praying for you. And he always signed off, my thumb is in your back. Now, that's, that's a Hallmark card too, right? Yeah. 
But here it is. Uh, he came to a district that had become very lazy, uh, that they weren't pushing forward. What is a district superintendent? They're over all the churches in a district. Uh, you guys may have met Bob Skinner. He is our district superintendent here on the Rocky Mountain District of uh, Montana and Wyoming, 35 churches in this huge district. So he came to help move the district forward, to, to press in, uh, to strain, to help them reach the prize and the calling and the mission. And when Brian got to the district, there was uh, 65 churches. And he's been there a little over five years. And now there's 100 churches within five years. So they've grown by 35 churches. Most districts are not even planting new churches. And so he moved it forward. He helped them stretch. He, he presses on. Uh, he wants others to press on. And that's what Paul is talking about here. I push forward. I'm straining. I'm stretching. I'm getting out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to settle for less because I want the victory crown. I want to win. And here it is again, his second time using press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Notice that it is not a downward call, though we're to live humbly. It is an upward calling. We are pursuing Jesus. We're trying to win people to come to believe in Jesus. And Paul is pressing toward something, toward the goal that he has, because he wants to win the prize. And the prize, church, is Jesus. To be in His presence. To, for, for you to get the crown because you've done the good work that He has called you to have. Now, why do we want to press on? Why do we want to stretch and strain forward? Um, so someday, this is the way it's going to work. You will close your eyes in death or we will be called up. And we are going to face Jesus. And church, there's going to be a judgment of the believers. Now, many of you might not have been taught this. You've been taught to the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is the judgment of those who believe and don't believe. But there is a judgment for the believers. Those who are in Christ, they're saved. You will still come before Jesus. It is called, Jesus, it is called the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema judgment is what Paul calls it. We will come and stand before Him, and He will review your life as you have lived as a Christian. And either you will get the prize or you will suffer loss. And this is what it looks like. If you did the right thing, invested in gold and, and, and precious gems, the things that don't burn up, it's a celebration. And for those who wasted their time and didn't do what they were called to do or invested in things they shouldn't have invested in, those things will burn up before Christ. And the Apostle John talks about this. I don't want to suffer shame. I don't want to, you know, oh, I could have done more. You know, I didn't do what I was called to do. Instead, we should be like, we get the crown. We celebrate in the presence of Jesus. That is why we, we press on. Um, you see, we begin as babes in Christ. You've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You are new to the faith. But then we are to grow. We seek. We learn. We press on. We develop. We walk by faith. And then we get to a place where we can run after Him. 
and do what he's called us to do, leading more to him, serving whatever it takes, we press on for the high calling. And Christians must be willing to persevere, to achieve the purpose we're called to, to press on, to be in the presence of Christ. And as we close, I'm going to ask Jay to come forward to the platform and we're going to enter into a time of prayer and worship. But as we close, I have one last story for you. Wilma Rudolph was born in 1940. She was born a preemie. Um, she didn't have much of a head start in life. She was the 20th child of 22 children. Uh, she suffered from pneumonia, suffered from scarlet fever. She had a bout with polio that left her left leg crooked and her foot was twisted in. Uh, so she had to wear legs for a huge portion of, of her life. After seven years of painful therapy, she could walk without her braces. At the age 12, Wilma tried out for the girls' basketball team, but she didn't make it. She was determined, and she pressed on and practiced with a girlfriend and two other boys every single day. The next year, she made the team. Uh, then a college track coach saw her playing in the game and said, Can I train you to run, to be a runner? By the age of 14, she had outrun the fastest sprinters in the U.S. In, in 1956, Wilma made the U.S. Olympic team, but she showed poorly her first time there in competition. Uh, through bitterness, a bitter disappointment, she decided, I'm going to press on, I'm going to work harder, I'm going to train, I'm going to strain forward. And in 1960, at the Olympics in Rome, uh, Wilma Rudolph won three gold medals the most a woman had ever had at that time. How was she able to do that, church? She pressed on. She strained forward. She didn't go back. She didn't make excuses for her disabilities. She kept training, kept pressing, kept straining. And here's the calling today as we prepare to worship and pray. That some of you are facing some challenges. It could be a marriage. It could be in your faith, the challenge of ministry. It could be just the battle of being a Christian. And you may be thinking of just, you know, this is a hard thing. I want you, every Sunday morning, there's people in our church, in the community of faith, that are, are wrestling. If, am I even going to go to church? And some people look for excuses not to even come. But Christ is calling us to press on, to stretch forward, to strain forward for the prize. So as we worship, we pray. We open the altars for those who want to come and say, Lord, help me. I want, to, I want to pursue the goal. I want to win the prize. So let's, let's stand and let's worship and let's enter into a time of...